Would you just bring us peace, Lord? And would you calm our hearts, calm our spirits? That we won't miss, Lord, that we can focus in and pay attention to what it is that you have for us because what you have for us is good, Lord. And so we want to we wanna hear from you this morning, Lord. So would you speak? We thank you so much for this time in this place that you allowed us to gather fellowship and worship. And of course, Lord, hear your word. So speak to us this morning in Jesus' name, friend. Amen and amen. Good morning and welcome. You can be seated. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online. We're so glad that you are and trust that you'll be blessed that you did. Um, before we get started, though, I'd like to give you a quick update on our ongoing relief efforts for our Maui Ohana. Um, everything that I'm going to share today by way of the Maui update and the prophecy update must be prefaced with these four words. You ready? If we're still here. No, for real, for real. Um, I will be saying those four words throughout uh, the update today, just to forewarn you. And you're welcome to join me if you want. I'll just leave that between you and the Lord. All right. First, in addition to the last count of 20 containers, 15 to 16 more containers have been released to provide supplies directly to the people of Lahaina. And this brings the total up to 35 to 36 of the over 50 containers with another 15 containers remaining. So for those of you that um, maybe don't know what the containers are all about, just a quick uh, reminder that we had to, well, we, God, uh, had these guys, amazing guys, reroute these containers and offload these containers so they wouldn't be confiscated, which they were being confiscated, taken to an undisclosed location. Sounds cool when I do it like that. And offloaded into box trucks, then taken directly to these undisclosed locations to uh, be given to the people uh, who need them the most. Now we were involved in uh, one of the first containers that we had already had the supplies to fill. Uh, our guys got it to the waterfront, onto the water, and offloaded and into Maui. So, uh, which by the way, those were supplies that we had here on hand and for us. And so now we don't have those on hand for us. So uh, just trust the Lord. <laughs> but uh, so we, we shipped those. And then along with those were another 50 containers or so. And they all made their way and are making their way to Maui. And then once they get there, it's very, this has to be the hand of God, because we're able to then get them 
around and rerouted to directly the people so they get the supplies. So I just wanted to give you an update on that. It is a very time consuming process, which is why we were at 20 plus now another 35 to 36 is the total of the over 50 containers that were sent over. Now, as for the acquisition of cars, trucks, and vans, this is moving forward as planned. And I am hoping to provide you with a very good report very soon, if we're still here. Uh, please know that in the meantime, we are already providing financial, auto, and housing needs for those with immediate needs. Also, I'm in almost daily contact with Pastor Steve Santos, Calvary Chapel Westside in Lahaina, who we're hoping, Lord willing, to have here at the church uh, with me to share with us on Thursday, September 21st, if we're still here. Actually, God has been, is doing, and will continue to do that which only He can. And I am really looking forward to having Steve talk about that when we're together, uh, should He come, Lord willing. Lastly, and infinitely more importantly, please, 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 please pray, 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 pray. Uh, pray specifically for Pastor Steve, his family, his daughter Nicole, uh, his church family, the people of Lahaina. Uh, just please pray and pray and pray and thank you. Okay, let's get started before I smudge my mascara. So we have two services, as you know, the first of which is the weekly Bible prophecy update that we've been doing for years. Second service, which will be live streamed, by the way, at 11.15 a.m., uh, Hawaii Standard Time is our verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. We're currently in 1 John. Lord willing, we'll finish chapter 4 today, our text being verses 13 through 21. And what we're going to do is dispel what is arguably the lie of lies from the father of lies, that God is angry with us as born-again Christians. Uh, he's not angry at us. God loves us so much. Uh, for those that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd encourage you to go directly to the website at jdfrog.org. There you'll find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update, as the first part is uh, only streamed on these platforms. So with that, let's get started. Today's update in particular is one that I hope and pray will be an encouragement to you concerning the heart-settling truth that God's got all of our what-ifs. I think you would agree that there are many what-ifs in our lives, in the world. <laughs> but particularly in our lives, especially in this, the last hour of human history as we know it. And the problem with the what ifs is that left unchecked, they will fill us with fear 
and drown us in doubt. Thankfully, replete throughout the pages of Holy Writ are passages, promises, and prophecies assuring us that God's got this. God's got all my what-ifs. Our hearts need not be troubled, nor should we ever be afraid or dismayed. Uh, let me just parenthetically say that uh, I'm preaching to myself today. You didn't need to be here or join online, but, but, but I'm glad you are. <laughs> but this is, um, well, that's all I'm going to say. I want to start with Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I hope you don't tire of me emphasizing I, because I'm of the belief that this was the emphasis in the Old Testament concerning the Israelites when God would declare that I am the Lord your God. The emphasis being on I, because they thought that was the Lord their God. No, God says, I am the Lord your God. Not him, not her, not them, not that, not this. I am the great I am. So the emphasis is, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. Isaiah 26, 3, a favorite to many. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Psalm 4610. <laughs> Here's another one. I mean, there are so many. We know this, we quote this, we love this. But kindly allow me to read this. Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know how when you were a kid, well, maybe I just should just speak for myself, but I, I heard these words probably every day of my childhood. Uh, sit still. Oh, okay. So you too. Be still. Settle down. How about this one? Simmer down. That's essentially what God is saying. Calm down. Settle down. Simmer down. Be, just be calm. Be still. I got this. I got this. Because I am God. 
I am God. Just let me be God. Just be still, calm down, stand there, and watch me now. And that's a very loose paraphrase, but basically that's what he's saying. And so too does he say this in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Let me give you the, the quick backstory. You're very familiar with it. The Israelites have the Red Sea in front and the Egyptians behind, and they're crying out to God. Really, they're complaining, even accusing God of bringing their to, them there to kill them. And the way they say it is, I mean, it's horrifying because it's, it's in the form of a question to Moses concerning God, blaming God. Were there not enough graves in Egypt that God had to bring us out here to kill us? Wow. So here's Moses' response to the people. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, watch this, you will never see again. I like that. What do you mean? Aren't you Egyptian? I am. My dad was Egyptian, so I guess I'm half Egyptian. But I'll tell you why I like this. Because Egypt in Scripture is a type of the world. And what Moses is commanded to say to the people who are freaking out, blaming God, is, hey, just, just be calm. Calm down, simmer down, be still, stand still, and watch what God's going to do. Uh, by the way, the Egyptians that you see, uh, you might want to take a good look because you'll never see them again. I like that. Because I don't ever want to see the Egypt of this world again. God's going to deliver us out of this Egypt of this world. Get a good look at them. Go ahead, take a picture. I mean, you can't take it to heaven with you, but it'll last longer because you're not going to see them anymore. And here's why, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to Here's those two words again. Be still. One of my go-to accounts when it comes to this is 2 Chronicles 20. There's a great multitude now of the Moabites and the Ammonites that are coming to battle against King Jehoshaphat in Jerusalem. Filled with the what if fear, he does the only thing to do by praying, fasting, and seeking the Lord. In what is among the most poignant prayers in all of Scripture, Jehoshaphat cries out to the Lord in verse 12, saying, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Stop right there. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just pray to the Lord, crying out to the Lord that you don't know what to do? 
Yeah. Well, God does. Uh, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Is that not true? That in our lives, when we don't know what to do, that's the time that our eyes have to be on Him? Let me flip that around. It's when we think we've got this, we're not looking to the Lord, our eyes are not on the Lord, we're not trusting in the Lord, because we got this. Well, what about, what if <laughs> you don't got this? What are you going to do? I don't know what to do. Cool. Do what Jehoshaphat did. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Then when their eyes are upon the Lord, looking to the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a Levite, which is unusual. That's the priestly tribe, not a prophet. That in and of itself is very telling, not a topic for another time. But it's in verse 15. He says to them, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, me, yeah, you. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. But God's. You don't got this. God's got this. Then in verse 17, he goes on to say the same thing in a different way. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, here it is again, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord echoing almost verbatim the exact words that Moses spoke to the Israelites at the Red Sea. Just stand still and behold the salvation of the Lord. Translated, just stand there, calm down, settle down, simmer down, and watch what God's going to do. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And here it is again. Who is with you? For I am with you. Oh, (laughs) you know, uh, those memes, you got to love memes, right? Well, you don't got to love them. But uh, there's one in particular meme I saw, it was a long time ago, but it's etched in my memory indelibly on my heart and mind. It's so cool. You got this little uh, you know, baby, kid, toddler, and they're all like, and, you're, and then behind them is dad. And they're like all that, like, I got this. And then you see the other guy with terrifying fear in their eyes. They're not looking at the little, you know, scrawny wimp of a toddler of a kid. They're looking at Big Daddy <laughs> behind him. Oh, uh, he, he's with him. Better said, uh, our Heavenly Father says, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and here it is again, for the Lord is with you. Now, please know that this doesn't mean that there won't be those times when God will have us fight the spiritual battle so as to have the victory. Actually, there are numerous accounts in the Old Testament where the Israelites had to go into battle in order to possess the promised land. However, the victory always comes as a result of relying on the Lord, looking to the Lord, crying out to the Lord, who always hearkens unto the voice of our cry. It's been rightly said that prayer is what brings the victory, then ministry is just gathering in the spoil. See, they already had the victory. And in this particular battle, they'd already won. As one said, we don't fight for victory, we're fighting from victory, because we're more than conquerors in Christ. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord, during those times where I find myself riddled with the what if fears, is that God has given me His Word, and He's bound by His Word. He, he cannot go back on His Word. I have, I have His Word, God's Word. If God said it, that settles it. Well, what's God's Word to me? That He's with me, and He will always see me through. It's for this reason that oftentimes, and hear me out on this, and again I'm preaching to the choir, as they say, God may deem it necessary to bring me to all those what ifs, if that's what it takes to bring me to the end of myself, so I'll turn to Him. How does He do this? Well, he, I'll again speak for myself. I know in my own life He just brings me to the end of my own resources, my own strength, my own abilities in the realm of the natural. So I in turn turn to Him in the supernatural. It's only when I come to the end of myself and just say, God, I cry out to Him. It's only then that I realize, for me, the situation is just not possible. So now I have to trust in the Lord as the only one that can do the impossible. What if I say it like this? If it's still possible for me in the energy of my own flesh, the energy of my own strength, then God's like, okay, well, let me know when you're done trying, because it's still possible for you. So the only way I'm going to get you to come to me, cry out to me, turn to me, back to me, is if the situation becomes impossible, because see, I'm the God of the impossible. But see, there is one thing that is impossible for me, and 
it's when it's still possible for you that it's impossible for me because you won't bring it to me. Because it's still possible for you. There's still, we still have options. It's like a Lord so long suffering. Just waits. He's not going to force himself on us. He just waits. He knows the end from the beginning. So he waits very patiently because he knows you're going to come to that place where you've, well, that was, uh, you, you weren't just plan B, you were plan Z and it failed. And you know who I'm talking about. I won't look at you. You know how some of us are. It takes Z. We have to go through A, B, Z, D, all the way to Z. And we finally just, oh God, to which I just picture our loving Heavenly Father saying, well, it's about time. Oh, by the way, it's impossible because I made it impossible because I wanted you to come to me to do the impossible. When Jesus was asked about the impossibility of anyone being saved, His response in Matthew 19, 26 was, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. When Mary questioned the angel of the Lord who told her that she would give birth, I mean, let this sink in, as a virgin to the Savior of the world. He told her in Luke 1, 37, with God nothing will be impossible. In Genesis 18, we're told that Sarah laughed, which is actually literally what Isaac, the name means, laughter, Yitzhak, in Hebrew, Yitzhak in Arabic. She laughs after Abraham was told that she would give birth to a son. She's 90 years of age, well past childbearing age. In verse 14, Genesis 18, Abraham is asked this rhetorical question of, is there anything too hard for the Lord? That, that's one of those questions that gives you the answer in the question. No, <laughs> no, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Then why are you laughing? Because this is laughable. This is impossible. I know, but not for the Lord. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not going to. She's 90 years old. Okay, that womb has been closed and barren for a very long time. And now you're going to give birth biologically to a son that you're going to name <laughs> Laughter, <laughs> because this is so laughable, so impossible. Yeah. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I think we would do well, and again I'll include myself in this, to put a comma on the end of whatever that what if fear is in your life. Not a period, a comma, and then, or you could put a semicolon if you want. In fact, just go ahead and put a colon, whatever you want. Spell check probably is going to flag it, but whatever. So here's your problem, blah, 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 blah. You fill in the blank, but then put a whatever. But is anything too hard for the Lord? That should settle it right there. Well, 
it's with this foundation that I'd like to build upon concerning the many what ifs in our lives by addressing some of the biggies. I'll call them biggies. More specifically, the what ifs that have the greatest significance prophetically as the unprecedented days ahead unfold. And I use the word unprecedented because by that I mean the what ifs as they relate to what's ahead. What's ahead? Well, Jesus said that it would be the likes of which we've never before seen, nor will ever see again. That's what's ahead. And this unprecedented word is going to come up again, so hang on to it for just a moment. I realize this is quite a <laughs> dramatic, I'm not trying to be melodramatic here. It's just the truth. What's the truth? The truth is that we are quite literally on the cusp of the seven-year tribulation. And I mean on the cusp. Okay, I haven't used this one for a while. I'm going to go ahead and use it. No extra charge on this one. Like a gnat's eyebrow away. And yes, gnats have eyebrows. Actually, this is our first what if, which is that of what if the rapture is about to happen? Wait, Pastor, didn't you just do an update on this a couple weeks ago? Yes, I absolutely did. Didn't you already cover this? Yes, I absolutely did. Devoted a whole update to that what if the rapture is about to happen question. But what we didn't cover in that update is the aforementioned unprecedented, unprecedented signs in the sun, moon, and stars, as Jesus Himself prophesied in Luke 21, 25. I have to confess that there are those who have presented very compelling evidence concerning said unprecedented signs never before seen coming to pass during this year's fall feasts. Signs in the sky that have never been seen before in the history of mankind and will never ever be seen again. Namely, the Feast of Trumpets, now only days away from today. Add to this a very interesting prophecy in Joel 2.31, which some have connected to these upcoming drills or exercises, if you prefer, that are planned on these specific fall feast dates. No coincidence here. Just by way of a reminder on this September 10th, September 11th of 2001, there were all kinds of military exercises and drills that were planned for that day, that day. And they're doing it again. They don't just 
pick a day. Well, what, what day you got open on your schedule? No. Oh, what a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. You've got a pre-planned exercise planned on that feast day? <laughs> Come on. Come on. What are you talking about, Pastor J.D.? I have no idea what I'm talking about. No, I actually do. What I'm talking about is chiefly what's planned by Earth X, dubbed, listen to this, Black Sky, this Thursday, September 14th, is when it commences. And this is a global exercise. Then subsequently, the FEMA, yes, FEMA, and FCC, they have an exercise plan for Wednesday, October 4th, which is national, and both of which I would encourage you to research on your own. I promise you, your eyes, I hope, I shouldn't promise, because if you have eyes to see, your eyes are going to be opened. If you have ears to hear, you are going to be just flabbergasted. Now again, I'm not trying to be dramatic. The reason I say what I just said is because both these national and global exercises not only coincide with the fall feast, so too do they comport with the prophecy from Jesus Himself in Luke 21, 25, and here in Joel 2.31. I'd like to read Joel 2.31. The sun, listen, the sun shall be turned into darkness, dark sky, and the moon into blood, keyword, before. Before what? Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, the tribulation. Be that as it may. I think it's incumbent upon me to also address conversely the question of what if the rapture does not happen during this appointed time? The answer is twofold. For those who are weary and heavy laden, <laughs> longing for the Lord's return, never, ever, ever, ever lose hope. The reason I say this this way is because of an obscure proverb in chapter 13, verse 12. It's a much needed reminder that while it's perfectly normal to have your heart sink when hope is delayed, that longing for the blessed hope will be fulfilled. Listen to the proverb, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I don't know why it is that we leave this last part off, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Did you catch that? Ah, oh, your heart sinks, not yet. The hope has been not denied, deferred, delayed. And your heart sinks, perfectly normal. But 
when that longing is fulfilled, and that longing will be fulfilled, it will be the tree of life for you and for me. Actually, this longing fulfilled dovetails into the second part of this what if, which is that we still have work to do. We need to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus with what little time we have, and we have little time. And here's why. And and again, just indulge me. If and when we're busy about the things of God, this what if will dissipate. What do you mean? Well, by that I mean, because now our focus is on getting people to Jesus, and it gets us to stop focusing on our problems. I think that's by God's design. Because like you, I have no problems in my life. I have many problems in my life, but not one of those problems will remain unsolved when the rapture happens. Takes care of them all. So the point is, focus on getting people to Jesus instead of focusing on your problems, because He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. That peace of God from the God of peace that Paul writes to the Philippians about in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it's supernatural. It's perfect, like He is perfect. And it transcends human understanding, and it settles your heart. You want to, you struggle with anxiety. I've been very open about my struggle with anxiety and fear. I'm, I am walking in victory, by the way. But I'm just as prone as the next to give in to that anxiety and start worrying. And when I do, I just have to go right back to Philippians chapter 4 where I'm reminded that you want to worry about no thing, thank God for anything, and pray for everything, and you'll worry about no thing. And when you do, that peace of God from the God of peace will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Settle you. Isn't the enemy good at filling in the what if blank? And we we cooperate fully with him, don't we? Should I just speak for myself again? (laughs) Because I mean, he he gets me every time. What if blank? I'm like, (gasps) I didn't even think about that one. And then he, 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 he keeps taking me down the what if road as far as I'll let him. And I've let him take me too far for too long down that road. Well then, what if that happens then because of this what if? And it snowballs. And the next thing you know, you've got yourself into a what if scenario that is just (laughs) 
And, and the Lord's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Really? You're going to let the enemy get away with that? You're not going to take every thought captive in the obedience of Christ. You're just going to, the, 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 the door knock comes. Oh, that's, just, oh, that's old fashioned. I need to upgrade my, I guess you get a text. I'm here. Okay. So you get the text. I'm here. And you let him in. Who? The enemy. Not only do you let him in, you know, we're so concerned about what we let into our bodies. What about our minds? That's where the battleground is. It's in the mind. So we let him in. And we let him have dinner. We set the table. So now let's talk about this. Wow. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Wouldn't it stand to reason that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you? Wouldn't it stand to reason that the opposite is also true? The one that is not focused on the Lord, whose mind is not stayed on the Lord, will not have peace. Instead, they'll have the opposite of peace because they're not trusting in the Lord. So anxiety, worry, fear. focus. Have you ever noticed, in fact, the interesting original word in the Greek in Philippians 4 carries with it the idea of a a divided mind where your mind's going a million miles an hour, as we would say. Have you ever noticed that you can't think about two things at the same time? Oh, but I'm a multitasker. No, you're not. You're a multi-distractor is what you are. Because your mind... Come on. You're, you're watching this and reading that. No, you're not. You think you are. You're not. Because the mind is not wired that way. I guess it's, you could say in, in the sanctified sense, you have a one-track mind. And you, it, your attention can, is undivided. You, you cannot think about that having your mind on him and be worrying about this. It doesn't work that way. It's one or the other. It's either or. If my mind is stayed on him as Jehoshaphat and I'm looking, my eyes are looking to him. (gasps) Here comes the text. I'm here. Go away. Oh, you might want to text back. I've been expecting you. I ain't opening up the door. You ain't going to do it this time. Why? Because my mind has stayed on him. My eyes are looking to him. My trust is in him. You know what comes packaged with this heavenly minded focus? It comes packaged with the beginning of the longing being fulfilled. Let me explain. When you're heavenly minded, your mind is stayed on him. You're focused on the things of God, getting Jesus to people and people to Jesus. It changes the complexion of everything in your life. Because now you're looking at those what if problems, those fears, those doubts through the lens of your God, instead of looking at your God through the lens of your what if fears. Changes everything. Your whole focus has changed. 
In fact, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, Jesus speaks directly to this in His Sermon on the Mount. You cannot serve two masters as one or the other. Uh, don't worry about those things, because the pagans worry about that stuff. Your heavenly Father will take care of you. If He's going to take care of the birds of the air, they weren't made in the image of God like you. The flowers of the field, as clothed, as splendidly as they are, they were not created in the image of God. You were. So if God's going to take care of that flower and that bird, how much more is He going to take care of you? But He talks about being double-minded and double vision. Because where the heart is, that's where your treasure, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And if the eye is evil, evil eye, that's a whole other, why did I even, I don't have time to, double vision. That's, actually, I have astigmatism, double vision without the glasses. Both of you look marvelous, by the way, just want you to know. But you're divided, you're double-minded, you're double-visioned. It's one or the other. Well, this brings us to our second what if, which is, have you heard about this? This is classic. What if Russia makes good on a rumored war launching a nuclear attack on the U.S.? Oh no! Last Tuesday, September 5th, American Military News posted a video showing a nuclear strike on the U.S. And in it they state, quote, a Russian state television station threatened nuclear strikes against the United States in response to U.S. involvement in the war between Russia and Ukraine. What if? Well, if we're still here, the answer to this what if is that if this is pre-rapture, we don't go up in the rapture, we go up by way of rupture, which is actually sooner. So it's kind of a win-win deal, I'm thinking. I'm not trying to be cute. I would not succeed at any attempt to be anyway. I'm simply referencing a prophecy from the Savior Himself recorded in Matthew 24 in this regard. Jesus said, when asked, what will be the signs of the end of the age and your return? He said, there will be wars and threats of wars, better translated, rumors of wars, as some of your translations render it. And He likens them to birth pains at the time of the end. And what do we know to be true about birth pains? They come in greater frequency and greater intensity. And so too are the threats of wars, as well as the wars coming in greater frequency and intensity. And at the time of the end, this is what it's going to look like. And I'm looking at this, and it looks to me like it's the time of the end. There are two more what ifs. I want to answer for the remainder of our time together today, but we'll go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. Kindly allow me to preface them by saying that these what ifs, like the many with them, confirm that the end isn't near, the end is here. Oh, how I so hope you don't tire of me saying that. 
because I'm going to keep saying it. The end is not near. The end is here. I'll take and tackle this third what if because of its potential impact on us as a church. What if there's a new round of being locked down? Okay. If this were to happen, we do not have permission from the Lord to shut the doors on this His church, and we never will. Okay, what if they chain us up and lock us out? By the way, they've done that to churches. Let me simply say that we are already working on a plan to get God's Word out if they lock us out and if we're still here. And that's all I'm going to say. This brings us to the fourth and final what if, which is the fear of what if there's a new mask and so-called vaccine mandate. First, by way of a friendly reminder, we currently provide religious exemption letters for the so-called vaccine mandate, and you can get those emailed or mailed physically. Uh, at jdfarag.org. Also, I'm in contact with an attorney, and we're going to be working on and revising the current letter and or adding additional letters and resources in light of, that's just prudence. Of course, if we're still here. As for the masks, now please hear my heart on this. We will never, ever, 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 ever require masks in this God's church. Yeah. Nor, let me hasten to say this, nor will we look down on anyone who would choose to wear a mask. However, if you choose to wear a mask, you need to know something about that mask. By the CDC's own admission, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Even worse. I, I really don't want to look at anybody right now, because there's probably, I'll just, I'll just look down. This is, please, receive this from my heart to your heart. This is my shepherd's heart, because I love you. And I want to speak truth to you in love. You speak truth in love because of love. I love you enough to speak the truth to you. And here's the truth about masks. <laughs> Even worse, it has the potential of making your health worse. And this for reasons that I would also encourage you to research on your own. I'm just talking about in the realm of the physical. Let's talk about in the realm of the spiritual. Do you know, we did an update on this, whoa, it's been a while now, but 
one last thing on masks, social distancing, all of the restrictions. It's brainwashing. It's gaslighting. And it's demonically designed to program people away from fellowship, worship, the breaking of bread, and the Word of God. It's demonic. Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 isn't demonic. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, long week. That didn't come out right. Of course, most of what I say doesn't come out right. But Acts 2.42 I affectionately refer to as the four legs on the table of the early church. Fellowship, worship, the breaking of bread, the Word of God, the Apostles' Doctrine. Every single one of those restrictions and mandates was deliberately, demonically designed to take us away from each other. Do you realize that when we hug each other and show aloha, it is releasing God-given hormones in the body? Just the touching. Did you realize, listen, this, for people like me, this is huge, that the only time men are using both sides of their brain <laughs> <laughs> is when they sing. Did you know that? Did you know that we were created for worship? What do you think we're going to be doing for all of eternity? We're going to be worshiping Him. And music is, is so powerful because of the way God wired, and, and we are so fearfully and wonderfully made. Our brains are so fearfully and wonderfully made. So you, you want to put a mask on me so I can't sing? And just one, one last thing. I know I said one last thing, but this is the last, last thing. Six feet? Yeah. Why not five? No, six. I'll, I'll never forget. I showed a picture of it one time. Uh, a circle. Six feet, six feet, six feet. I'm like, hmm. Six, six, six. As one said, uh, six feet under. You want to separate us? No. You're not going to separate us. It ain't going to happen. Weren't you afraid? No. Do I look afraid to you? I fear God, not man. I fear God. I fear God. Okay, stop making me go so long. Now, for those that are asking, and it's fair, it's a fair question, what, what is the likelihood of this what if? Well, let me draw your attention to this Daily Express report published on Friday, September 1st, titled, New Yorkers told to mask up for Labor Day as new COVID variant sparks super spread fears. <gasps> this is uh, gaslighting, programming, uh, brainwashing. This is all predictive. It's all preparing. It's already, so to answer the what if question of uh, concerning the likelihood of this, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. If we're still here. Let's talk about this potential for masking, masking bandit. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm going to start calling them maskings because they, they, anyway, better stop. Let me uh, draw your attention to this NTD article also posted on Friday, September 1st, titled, Musicians Sue North Carolina Symphony Over COVID Vaccine Mandate Controversy. Here's a brief quote. In a brewing legal showdown, by the way, I was uh, so honored and had the privilege of talking to an attorney that uh, took cases for clients uh, against their employers. And he told me some of these cases are going to be active for years if we're still here. So in a brewing legal showdown, three musicians have taken the North Carolina State Symphony to federal court over its COVID-19 vaccine mandate, accusing the symphony of violating the musicians' religious freedom by groundlessly rejecting their religious exemption requests. Now, why do I share this one? By the way, there were a plethora of them. I chose this one in particular because it speaks to not only what already happened, but what is now already again happening as we speak. This is why we're revising, revisiting our religious exemption letter. Okay, let's try to bring this in for a landing. The common denominator with all these what ifs and the many others like them that time doesn't permit me to cover is, in a word, prophecy. In other words, everything that we've just looked at and everything I've just talked about is in Bible prophecy. And it has the purpose of pointing us to the pre-tribulation rapture when Jesus the Christ, God the Son, takes us out of this world. Which again, we're a gnat's eyebrow away from. So what's the point of today's update? Well, like last week's update about why it's getting so overwhelming, bringing people to Jesus, so too is this true with the what ifs. What if I told you that all of our what ifs have become what ifs, so as to bring us to, back to, or maybe for some closer to Jesus. And were it not for the what ifs, we would not get closer to Jesus, or come to Jesus, or come back to Jesus, or look to Jesus, or have our mind stayed on Jesus, or our focus on Jesus, getting to people and people to Jesus. In other words, this would have never happened had it not been for the what if. God allowed the what if, because He knows the what if. He already knows the answer to the what if. He is the answer for the what if, but He knows that the what if is going to bring you back to Him. He hasn't heard from you in a while. It's going to bring you closer to Him. 
You haven't had that intimate time with him in a while. What if that's the reason for the what if? It is. That's the purpose of every prophecy update. It's to get Jesus to people, people to Jesus. That's why we end with the gospel and the ABCs of salvation. The gospel meaning simply good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. What good news? Oh, well, Jesus came. He died for you. He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And He's coming back again one day soon and very soon, by the way. That is good news. He died in my stead, His blood shed in my stead, in payment for all of my sins. The ABCs, again, just a a simple childlike tool to equip you, should God ever present you with the profound privilege of being able to share Jesus with somebody and even lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Very simple, childlike simple. The A is for admit or acknowledge. Because think about it, unless and until I acknowledge that I've sinned, why would I have any interest in the Savior? And by the way, this is one of the main reasons why when you try to share the gospel with somebody, you're met with something like, well, I'm a good person. I've never murdered anybody. In other words, I don't need a Savior. Oh, yes, you do. There is no one righteous, not even one. You might think you're a good person, and you might have, oh, they have such a good heart. Actually, Jeremiah says, your heart is deceitfully wicked, (laughs) beyond hope, and who, who can know it? God sees the heart. God knows the heart. You might think you, you're a good person. You'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall, all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the word sin means. It's an archery term. You missed the bullseye. You fell short. You missed the mark. You sinned. We've all sinned and fall short. Now, Romans 6.23 is... (laughs) uh, Interesting, because it packages first the bad news, which I think there is merit to this, by the way. Because when you look into the perfect mirror of God's law, and you see yourself as God sees you, a sinner who has transgressed and broken the law of God, and in need of a Savior. Because when you present the bad news first, and you come face to face with yourself and your sin and your need for the Savior, then here comes the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand like a a tutor, like a, a schoolmaster to the Savior, to the cross. When you realize, I've broken God's law, and there's a penalty, and that penalty is the death penalty, for the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B, and it's so central, by the way. Simply believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10 verse 9 says, 
if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For God so loved the world. We can all, it's the most well-known verse in all of the Bible, John 3.16. Whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. The sea is for call upon the name of the Lord, or as Romans 10.9 also says, if you confess with your mouth, which is a, a is natural the, the expression that comes from believing in your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you believe in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. Aren't you glad, by the way, some of the stuff when you pray over the food? I pray, God, don't bless this to my body, please, because it's not good. Just change it into something on the way down. And anyway. I digress. <laughs> what comes out of the mouth? Confess. And by the way, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Listen, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. However, it can be now for salvation or at the end, which is for damnation. But every tongue is going to confess. And Romans 10, 13 lastly says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Well, let's do today's But God testimony. It's actually in reference to last week's update. I chose it. I think you'll see why for a couple of reasons. It comes from Amanda Caravello, who writes, Dear Pastor J.D., my name is Amanda, and I'm writing to you today from Massachusetts. I can never say that right. That wasn't too bad, though. The most used word of my week has been overwhelmed. When I realized it was Sunday, I asked God to speak through you to me, and He did, as He always does. Last Saturday, I found my children's father unexpectedly deceased on his couch. He was only 42. He was not vaccinated. There were no drugs or foul play involved, and it suspected that he had a heart attack in his sleep. COVID, quotation marks, is on the rise again in our area, and especially in the bigger city where he lived. I wrote COVID in quotes because I am of the belief, based on my own research, that COVID is not a virus, but rather symptoms of poisoning. But that is a story for another day. He leaves behind our two boys, ages 12 and 6, my youngest with special needs and the other a senior in high school, just about to get his driver's license. Our lives have been totally and completely devastated. I'm very familiar with suffering. I've suffered all of my life for 40 years. This, however, this circumstance is absolutely crushing. If it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't be able to get through this. 
When you spoke about the overwhelming that drives us to our knees or groaning in the fetal position, and I did share very openly, by the way, about how I am currently going through something that is so overwhelming. It's actually the most overwhelming set of circumstances I've ever gone through in my life. And I've been walking with Jesus for over 40 years, but it has driven me closer to Jesus. So she references that. She says, it was comforting to my broken heart and crushed spirit to know that the online pastor I have come to love so much over the past few years is right in the suffering with me. I am. Mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. The Lord is drawing us all so close to Him by any means necessary. Overwhelming, if that's what it takes. What ifs, if that's what it takes. Our only hope is to fully trust in His perfect plan. Thank you for encouraging me today and every Sunday since 2019 when I first got saved in my living room and then found you online. You've been a big part of my journey with Jesus as a young Christian who's aware of the time we're in and without a home church on the same page. God bless you, Pastor J.D. in Christ, Amanda. Capono, come on up. You'll, if you'll please stand up, we'll close in prayer song. Father, thank you. Thank you for the overwhelming. Thank you for the what ifs. Thank you for the anything and everything that you allow into our lives to bring us to you, back to you, closer to you, whatever it is, whatever it takes especially for such a time as this, if there was ever a time for the what ifs, the overwhelming. That time is now, if it means in the end that we'll draw near to you. Because as James says, when we draw near to you, you in turn draw near to us. Oh Lord, we need Thee. Oh, we need Thee every hour. We need Thee, Jesus. I know there are people maybe here or watching online that are just barely hanging on by a thread. The situation is so impossible. And it's getting worse, by the way. But you, O oh Lord, are able. You, O oh God, are faithful. Who is like unto you, O God? Lord, comfort, encourage, strengthen, renew hope for those who are losing hope. And thank you for the blessed hope as our God of hope. Oh, Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, we pray in Jesus' name.